just go on my own after a hard day of work and you know just go and unwind and you watch the sunset from you know 800 wow. foot 1500 foot it's uh, it's also special in its own right today i'm talking to patrick davidson he's the five times aerobatics champion of south africa and a red bull air race pilot hello patrick how are you I'm fine, thank you. It's so lovely to meet you here on Zoom. Yeah, and to you, yeah. I see you've got all your airplane, uh, the picture at the back, and and all. I, I can see you're a pilot. Yeah, my, uh, well, it's a big part of my life, to be honest. So, uh, yeah, yeah I, it's all over the house. It's all over the place. So my wife accepts it in certain areas. So, yeah, I'll take what I can get. Okay. Do you, yeah, yeah. But you have such a great, um, uh, all these wonderful accolades and you have all these achievements. Um, you're a five-time South African champion in aerobatics. But how amazing. And, and I've also read something that really is mind-boggling, and that is um, that you first uh, attempted uh, aerobatics when you were 12 years old. Mm. Yeah, so my dad was a pilot, my granddad was a pilot. So, yeah, I was very lucky. I obviously got brought up into it. Um, yeah. And I had the machines at my disposal. So the big issue is obviously, you know, for people getting into the sport is the aeroplane because that's where the money is. Um, hmm. Yeah, and, um, but I've got a brother who doesn't fly at all. So I guess, you know, you either use it or you don't use it. So, yeah, for me, it was, yeah, it was very uh, deeply inbred in me. I I love flying. I love aviation. Um, my brother likes racing cars, but, you know, my dad used to race cars as well. So, you know, each to their own. But, uh, yeah, when I was a kid, that's what I did. At the weekends, I was at the airfield. I was helping fuel planes and, you know, pushing them around. And, yeah, so that's sort of what I've been exposed to from a kid and, yeah, here I sit, you know, with my own kids now coming through the same sort of. Really? Uh, yeah. yeah. But now at 12 years old, I mean, that's not, you're not as tall. And is it, how do you sit in the, in the plane and, and still be able to fly? Yeah, I mean, cushions, you know, I mean, generally yeah. speaking, you get people of all different shapes and sizes that do aerobatics and, and that fly. And uh, what you do is you generally take the spaces up by means of um, using cushions and obviously parachutes and things like that to get yourself to a position where you're comfortable, where you've got a visual aspect of what you want to see and being able to get full control of the aeroplane, both on rudders, elevator and aileron. So, um, yeah, obviously got set up. I didn't have a license, so I had to fly with a safety pilot. And, um, yeah, that's how it started, I guess. Now, um, if, if I think of, say, for instance, a gymnast uh, who does all these um, stunts and, and tricks and maneuvers, but now you, when you fly, you it's not just you, it's the plane as well, and it's all the elements and the the uh, things that you have to take into consideration. Um, how complicated is it to do all these loops and, and uh, turns and things that you do? Look, the, um, you know, there's a, a couple of different disciplines. So maybe let me start there and then say that uh, competition aerobatics is, as you say, like gymnastics, like um, 
you know, what a ballerina would do in front of a panel of judges, or um, I don't know if that's the right thing that ballerinas do it in front of, but yeah, so we, we basically, yeah, and, and, yeah, and we, we display the airplane as if it was a piece of our body and um, an extension of our body. And we put it in front of the judges um, in saying that though, there's also different aspects to the competition where they give you a set um group of like uh figures or um specific loops as you call them that you have to do and you've got to build those into a sequence which meets a certain criteria and um you're allowed to practice that until you're blue in the face that's no problem uh the trick comes in is that the competition is made up if the weather allows and time allows that you fly that sequence which we call the the free known and then you have three unknown sequences that you've never seen before in your life and you're not allowed to practice them um so that for me is where the aeroplane and individual harmony needs to come into its own where you know you can it doesn't matter what happens you're so one with the plane you're able to do literally whatever they they can throw at you within the rule book obviously but mm -hmm. um yeah, so for me, that's that's obviously where the elements start making, you know, the shapes not look like what they want to do because you're on the ground, it's five knots, but, you know, at 300 or 400 or 1,000 foot, you know, it might be blowing 30 knots the opposite direction. So these are all things you've got to take into consideration. And and there's actually really no way of, of feeling or seeing it unless you watch somebody else fly or you literally feel it when you're in the plane. So... Yeah, it is pretty challenging in certain respects, but you know every sport has its uh, has its tasks, and uh, yeah, you've got to you've got to cope, as they say. Yeah, and um, is this something that you can be taught, or is there a lot of what you're doing that is sort of intuitive, or is just um, uh, almost an art? I would say. So I think uh, Gary Player said it, if I'm not mistaken, that uh, the more the practice, the more you practice, the luckier you get. And yeah, you yeah. know I think that goes with intuitiveness as well. That in the fact that when you practice and put the time in, you've felt certain things, you've seen certain things, you've understood certain things at a different time during your training. So yes, it does become second nature, but it's not from just going up and being able to do it you know especially at the level which i'm flying at the moment which is unlimited it's uh it's hard on the body as well so if you had to go and not train for like two or three weeks or maybe two or three months and you go and do it you'd quite easily actually end up with the wobblies or end up like physically hurting yourself um so yeah there's, there's that aspect to it as well uh, basically the same as a ballerina pulling a hammy or something like that you know really yeah. you have to now t tell me about this because i didn't think physically so physically what is what is the the pressure on the body here well <laughs> yeah i mean to put it in perspective like you basically in a in a proper sequence you'll do positive 10g and negative maybe 8 to 10g as well and i mean depending on your body weight that's 10 times your body weight in either direction it's either pushing oh, you from course. the shoulders no. down 
in or alternatively it's taking you from your bum and trying to push you outside of the cockpit um so you know positive g is blood going from the head down so mm-hmm. you tend to have gray outs or um, possibly blackouts and the other way blood going to the head there's a possibility of having you know um, a red out which I've never actually seen, but it's really uncomfortable and it's a tolerance that's built up by literally just time in the seat, you know, and it's quite funny because my wife often laughs at me because I got like all these little black things, you know, black and red blood vessels popped in my eyes here from training and it's, yeah, it's not from anything other than the body sort of amortizing to it, yeah. Uh, that's unbelievable. So it is this this strain that you have to to deal with, um, and does it? Um, I mean, you in in time, and you say all this experience, but how long? For how long will you be able to do this? Um, as in years, or just yeah. at the um, at the age? Say so at the age uh, that you will be able to. Look, I mean, if you look at the the, the history books, and and I mean, Mikhail Mamistov is the the current world champion in unlimited aerobatics, and no disrespect to him if he ever watches this, but I guess he must be around about like sixty. And okay. uh, the thing is, with flying, that experience takes time. So before you've even allowed to get your license, you seventeen, you know, then you've got to explore the avenues of getting some form of exposure to aerobatics. So before you really involve, 99% of the people are like, you know, 25, 35, whatever it is. So that's only when you start coming into your own. So the the older guys have got the experience, they've got the feel, they've got the knowledge, they've got the understanding um, of designing sequences and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I mean, I guess it's up to to the person and and how physically fit they are and how mentally... um, in tune they are with wanting to go through because it really is uncomfortable. You know, the negative G side of things, if you're out of it to get back into it, it's, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how else to explain it, but it's, it's not pleasant. Okay. But now you also fly different um, planes. Mm. So uh, what, what makes you choose specific planes or is it just part of the competition? Um, So for me, um, Part of our business is actually we buy and sell airplanes. We collect them as well. So um, I and I don't want to sound this to sound obnoxious or anything, but I don't have a choice. So every two weeks, every single one of those aircraft has to start. It has to fly. It has to get to operating temperature. It has to, if it has operated its flaps, it's undercarriage up and down. And uh, so for me, it's a bit of a cycle. So um, I go through all the airplanes. Obviously, I have my favorites. You know, if there's a competition or an air show coming up i know what airplane i have to fly for that specific event um and i'll dedicate the time you know accordingly um you know other aircraft are used for commuting whether it be for business um or whether it just be for a family vacation or whatever it is so yeah my scenario is a little different um you know i I do have days when the weather's really beautiful and it's an awesome sunset and I have my favorites for that specific day. But other than that, I fly all of my airplanes every two weeks. Um, they, they, I rotate them basically. Okay. And it's, is it, uh, do you have to, are there planes where you have to sort of um, get a, a check or a, or a license, a specific license, or, or are they all approximately the same? 
No, so South Africa is quite different in a lot of regards. Um, they see each individual type of airplane as needing a type rating, um, whereas in America and a lot of other places, they work it on weight. So you have to have mm -hmm. like a, a tailwheel endorsement, you have to have a high performance endorsement. Um, but if you've got that and up to a certain weight, then you can fly literally anything underneath that. Um, the situation is a bit technical or difficult where you've got a single seater and, you know, I mean, you can't take anyone with you. So, you know, somebody mm -hmm. sort of, uh, you either got to read a book or somebody has got to give you the brief as to, what to do in, in order not to crash and, you know, tap you on the back. And if you make it back alive, then I guess you've done your conversion, you know, but, but, um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's different in different parts of the world, South Africa, unfortunately, and I say, unfortunately, tongue in cheek, because, you know, there's certain people with a lot of experience that are capable of flying different types of airplanes with going without going through the rigmarole of getting it on a training um, facilities license, et cetera, et cetera. So I think the Americans have got it down really good there. Um, you know, if you've done a certain amount of flying in X type of airplane over a certain weight, it allows you to fly everything underneath that. But mm -hmm. yeah, unfortunately, here is not the case. And now tell me, do you also teach? No, I'm a terrible teacher. Really? I'm a terrible passenger and I'm a terrible teacher. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm even a good passenger in the car, but uh if you teach your aerobatics and I'm sitting on the ground and I have a radio in my hand and you're flying the plane, no problem. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not the best at making, letting other people make mistakes. Oh, oh I see. Okay. So you're a bit impatient in that sense. I wouldn't say impatient. I'm probably just a nervous passenger is probably the best explanation. Oh, okay. Okay. But now um, for, because this is also, like you say, it's not a sport that you just, um, for into it's you have to have a plane and and you have to have if you don't have a plane you have to have money to to uh, spend on the hours that you train so is how how many young people come in and and uh, do this to be honest not a lot um you know it's something that we've chatted about extensively in south africa in the sport aerobatic club um you know about maybe putting something up um you know like an airplane which is in a pool which is owned by the aero club which is um available to new people coming through the ranks but you know, the South African RAND obviously being as weak and as volatile as what it is to get your hands on one of those, the maintenance related to that, the the fuel is just becoming more and more expensive. So it really is difficult. Um, but with that being said, you know, there's, I don't know if you know much about airplanes, but there's like this whole band of like um, non-type certified. So they actually in inverted commas, home-built airplanes, like a, the van series, RV6, RV7, RV8. And in the bigger scheme of things, they're actually quite affordable. So what's happening now is you're getting a lot of guys, and affordable, you know, I say that tongue-in-cheek, but, you know, it's not in relation to, you know, a city golf or something, that you know, a small car yeah. that you buy. But in, in terms of airplanes, it's good. It's a good place to invest your money as long as you keep it in one piece because um, you're essentially buying a dollar-based asset being in South Africa. Um, and the running costs are cheap. So the guys are going into consortiums or partnerships whereby there are two or three people owning them. 
and they they join the series and i mean the thing burns like 30 liters an hour um which in airplane terms is 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 really light it's able to get from point a to point b uh really fast efficiently and you know it's fun to fly so mm-hmm. there's a lot of people going into those sort of things at the moment and um young again is not like 17 18 years old um mm-hmm. unless their dads are involved but maybe somewhere in the vicinity of like mid-30s the guys are getting involved and starting to come through so yeah difficult sport to get involved in purely because of the cost related to it um and access to to machinery but you know in europe i know russia is very big on it they have aero clubs where people sign up and they have like cadet ships and um are able to you know work in the tower or clean airplanes or help with the gliders or whatever and in turn they get hours back on the aero club planes so i know globally that's what the guys do but south africa unfortunately yeah there's not a lot of like you know late teens people coming through the ranks yeah but now uh, tell me about the red bull uh, race uh, what what is your involvement there so red bull air race uh, was an event which was held from i think it was 2010 if i'm not mistaken it went through a series um and then eventually stopped it was then restarted again and i was lucky enough to be a part of the challenger series for two years or two seasons um and subsequent to that in 2019 red bull pulled the plug on it for reasons I can't even tell you, not because I don't want to, it's because I don't know, um, because it was a massively successful um, event. It was well followed. It was, yeah, I mean, it was sought after wherever. But anyway, for whatever reason, Red Bull pulled the plug. And um, yeah, we've basically been in a bit of limbo, but there's a new consortium who are putting a new air race together now. And um, I've been lucky enough to to be involved with that. We haven't had a first race yet. Um, we are we were earmarked to race in Goodwood, which was supposed to be now. And um, there were some issues around various things, I think mostly funding, to be blatantly honest. Um, and uh, it looks like the first race is now Lake Macquarie in, um, in just north of Sydney in November. So as far as I'm aware, that event's still continuing. Everything's been paid for, done. And uh, yeah, so there we won't be a challenger anymore. We'll be racing as the masterclass, which is essentially the Formula One of of my sport. Wow. And uh, when will that be, you said? In- so November is, is earmarked in, for in Australia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but then next year. If you say it's a race, it's, it's is it? Uh, how do you? How is it done? So they got uh, they got pylons, so um, they're inflatable pylons, and uh, they are permeable as well. And literally, what happens is um, you go against the clock. So there's certain parameters which you need to fall in, um, both on starting speed, um, yeah, modifications, both on aerodynamics, engine, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But yeah, literally, um, you go against the clock, and you have an elimination round um, where you'll start at say 12 pilots, you'll end up at eight pilots, you'll go to five pilots and then the round of uh, the final four and the fastest will determine the winner so yeah that's that's how the race works and um, you're not on the same track at the same time obviously that'll be too dangerous because like it's only about well don't allow to I think it's 12 meters from pylon to pylon and you've got to go through so obviously it wouldn't be enough space for Uh two airplanes anyway Mm. so it's a, a lot of precision as well then yeah, or luck, one of the two. Okay. 
(laughs) a lot of skill. Yeah, look, there's a lot of things that come into play there. You referred to the elements of competition aerobatics and, you know, when you're coming through a gate or two gates and, you know, there's a bit of a crosswind and the aeroplane's lined like this, you know, the, 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 the margin for error is just non-existent. So, yeah. And I mean, obviously if you hit it, it's not like it's, um, you know, fingers crossed, it's not going to be catastrophic or, or fatal or anything like that. You know, you'll survive and walk away from it, but it's a hell of a long flight home when you realize you've made a mistake and you could have won, but you know, you yeah. didn't finish on the podium. It's uh, it's not a cool flight. Mm-hmm. But uh, you then there, if you go to Australia, you don't use your own plane. Do you get a plane? I do, yeah. Oh, you so, do? Yeah. So I have a race plane, um, which yeah. I, um, acquired when this whole thing started. Um, I had the opportunity to join the master class, but, uh, as they say, uh, no risk it, no biscuit. You got to, I had to, to make the jump a leap of faith and, um, yeah, we hope it'll all work out well, but the plane is still here with me in South Africa at the moment. And the intention is, is that it will get air freighted out to Australia and it probably won't come back to South Africa pretty much ever. It'll live in a box moving from race to race. Oh, I see. Mm. Okay, so that will be a plane in a plane. Yeah, exactly. Or a plane in a ship, whichever way you want to look at it. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Wow, that is so interesting. So that will be then just allocated for that purpose. Yeah, Yeah. it's not really, it's too fast for competition aerobatics. It's been highly modified. It's, um, it's super, super quick. So, you know, it's, it's designed for one purpose and the purpose is to go fast around a track and, uh, and that's about it. So what is your preferred, um, thing? Is it, is it the aerobatics or is it this racing thing, the, the, the speed? They, yeah, super difficult question. I mean, they're worlds apart, to be honest with you. Um, the racing is a lot less um, effort and prep, um, you know, and obviously, you know, you have a lot more glory because it's on a national or international base and, you know, on TV and things like that. Whereas um, the discipline of aerobatics is is very selfish. It's, um, you know, there's no prize money. Um, and even if you win the world championship, to be blatantly honest with you, it's like, cool, you're the world champion, but, you know, okay. it's, it's bragging rights rather than anything else. So they're very, very different in a lot of respects. And I like the publicity and I like the, the social interaction of the racing. Um, mm-hmm. But I like the flying discipline of the aerobatics. Um, and then just normal flying is also cool. So you can't take that away from me either, you know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. you do you do commercial flying as well? No. Oh, no. But I do just sometimes your... fly straight and level. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, like a beautiful evening if you go and it's like cruising in a in a Mustang convertible uh, car, you know, you go and drive along the Sunset Drive or whatever the case is, you know, I've got a Stearman or a Super Cub and, you know, to go and take my kids up or just go on my own after a hard day of work and, you know, just go and unwind and you watch the sunset from, you know, 800 wow. foot, 1500 foot, it's, uh, it's also special in its own right. And your wife, does she, or she, does she fly? No, she's a okay. good passenger, so she sits next to me. Oh, is it? Okay. She's not yeah. a backseat driver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, she's she's never really been interested in it, but obviously she uh, has supported me, you know, through mm. 
all the steps that I've been through in my career and, you know, from getting my license to where I sit right now. And, um, yeah, she's been super supportive. So, yeah, I think uh, if there were two of us competing, uh, yeah, I don't know how much of a happy household that would be. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> oh, that's but that's great that she, well, that she supports you in that. You know, that's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, she met me. I was young. We were both young. So, yeah, when, when I was, you know, flying already, so she knew what she was getting herself into. And to be honest with you, I mean, yeah, we use it as a tool, um, both for business and for play as well so i mean we yeah we travel the world together um with the racing with the aerobatics um we've seen some cool things we've been as a family to some incredible places um you know and we use it locally as well you know so to travel on holidays together um you know and and it really makes it's accessible you know so and with the current fuel price and the state of our roads in south africa as well to be honest it's probably safer and not that much more expensive to fly Really, I, yeah. would, I would think it just would be very expensive, but but you say it's not. Depends what plane you're flying. Obviously, okay. you know, um, within reason. But uh, but yeah, previously or historically, you know, you could fly yourself in a in a decent sized airplane to Johannesburg and back for cheaper than what the flights would be. And then at some point it turned, and the domestic flights um, were were cheap again. And then mm -hmm. now after COVID things have gone back the other way again and mm. a flight to Joburg or, or Cape Town return, you're looking at like six and a half, 7,000 rand sometimes, mm. you know, of short notice. And, you know, some of the aircraft that I've got, you know, it's, you know, if you add two or three people or four people up plus your baggage, um, it's actually cheaper mm. just to fly yourself. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Mm. But now, Patrick, tell me, what are your wishes for the future? <laughs> um i think are you referring to flying specifically or you you have the you have the the wish to make <laughs> yeah but i just i wish things would just go back to normal to be honest with you i think this covid thing has driven me absolutely mental um you know i've i've got a business outside of flying which we do demolition earth moving and we employ you know over 200 people and to see the state in which these people are having to live the things that you know the way that things are costing i mean i refer to the fuel prices and that but you know i employ people from you know professional accountants right down to your general laborer and yeah for me personally i just wish things would go back to some form of normal where people could actually start living again because the way it is i don't know about in europe and that but the way it is at the moment it's um yeah it's tough huh? it's really mm -hmm. tough yeah yeah i think it is it it has it had its its positive uh aspects but it also it's this backlog now of what's happening or what happened and it's now still affecting i think it's it's going to maybe take a while for it to get back to normal again and just as we were starting to come back to normal then we have a war so it's like geez. yeah I know. Uh, so yeah. it made things easy, but yeah, I reckon if I if I had to um, in South Africa, we're still asked to to wear masks, so that would be number one that I don't have to wear a mask anymore because I freaking hate mm -hmm. it, and yeah. then number two that things could just go back to some form of normal, and not for me, you know. Obviously, you know, people have different scenarios and different financial situations and different uh, you know household constraints and whatever else. I you know, life is different for everyone. 
but uh, from what I can see and and the exposure that I have to the very wealthy to the very poor, yeah, some something's got to give. Huh? Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. But now, um, I just have one last thing to ask you. Uh, well, you probably fly there, but what is your favorite uh, coffee shop or or restaurant in the area that you can do a shout out for? Um, so we we have a, a thing called uh, Seattle. It's a, it's a fr- yeah, it's a franchise. Um, I don't know if it's as far up as Joburg and that, but um, yeah, my kid, uh, well, my eldest was was at school with um, a kid, and it was the kid's parents that opened this thing and and we've thought that were crazy and it's really taken off and uh mm-hmm. yeah it's sort of like a mandatory now if someone comes to my office and and has a meeting they have to bring seattle so shout oh, out yeah. to seattle, i guess <laughs> where where are you based we're in port elizabeth um oh, okay. so, yeah, i live so, in yeah. Warner, and uh, my office is not full P is like the 20, 20 minute town. So you can get right from one side to the other in 20 minutes. Oh, okay. So, so it has to be Seattle's in, in PE. It so has to be. Yeah. 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 yeah okay. They do good. And they also do a really nice, like uh muesli and yoga thing as a takeaway. So yeah, oh, okay. I drop my daughter off at the bus in the morning and then quickly grab a Seattle and a muesli and go to work to tackle the day. Oh, okay. No, I'll definitely remember. I know I've heard about it. I think I think there's one in the Cape as well, in Cape Town. Could uh, be. In that, that area. Yeah. 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 But if it's weekend, then maybe Jack's Bagels. But uh, anyway, who's uh, don't Jack judge? Jack's Bagels. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'll put their I'll put their link in the in the description of the video for your shout out. No, yeah. like cool. <laughs> Patrick, thank you so much for your time and for this cool. wonderful interview. And I'm, I was a bit persistent because I really wanted to do this interview. No, you have to be. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> pilots are not good organizers. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, okay. but thank you so much. It's a pleasure. And, and remember to let me know when you're in Vienna. I will do. Thank you. Okay. okay. All right. Bye. Ciao. Bye.